Southeastern Bow Hunter Podcast. Hey guys, this is JD with Southeastern Bow Hunter Podcast. Just want to let you know I can save you a little bit of money if you go on to nosedownsense.com and type in the promo code SEBH15, Southeastern Bow Hunter 15, SEBH15. That will get you 15% off on all the products they have across the whole site. Now go make sure you check them out. Amazing products, great cover scents, and great application scents for those big old scripts you're trying to work on. Also, after you get that game, you can go ahead and season it up with some of their seasonings and dry rubs they have. Go give them a check. Hey guys, it's JD with Southeastern Bowhunter Podcast. You ever get bored like I do in the middle of the night watching YouTube, trying to figure out which broadhead flies the best, which one penetrates the best? different arrows, different bows, different bow speeds, all that kind of stuff, go check out Chest Stumper Outdoors. Not only does he have some good hunting footage, he also does amazing broadhead reviews and arrow reviews and bow reviews and stuff like that. He goes to all the different trade shows and tests out all the bows right there on camera. He also does the Mountain Archery Fest. So give him a check. That's again, Chest Thumper Outdoors. Go give him a good listen. Go watch his videos. Some amazing content. What's going on, guys? Episode 44 of Southeastern Bowhunter Podcast. And uh, this episode was pretty good, man. Um, I learned a lot. You know, we have Dennis Lewis from Obsession Bows and Scrape Juice come on. Um, you know, we've known Dennis for a little while now, maybe a couple months. And, uh, dude, he's such a knowledgeable guy. Um, he has been in the industry for a very long time and, you know, he, he's just a wealth of knowledge. Um, so we do cover obsession bows. We do cover scrape juice. Um, and he dives very deep in all of that about how he does his stuff, you know, what, what the, uh, birth of obsession was and man, it was, it was a lot of fun having Dennis on. Um, before we get into that, I just left public land. Uh, pulled some cards gonna be checking them when I get home. So if it's a little loud in the back, that's my truck. I'm sorry <laughs> uh, but Man, I'm telling you what I'm I'm so excited. We got uh, I Guess at the time of this recording it's one week until deer season when this episode drops It's gonna be about like four or five days and I'm telling y'all what this season I think is gonna be one that is just outstanding we all have good bucks on camera we're all starting to get them patterned uh, JD has a monster on camera. Andy's got a monster on camera. It's just going to be a great year, man. I can't wait. Um, me and Thor and Ricky are going to be hitting public land opening morning. And then I'll be hitting my, one of my private spots, um, that evening to try and kill trike, uh, the big six that I've been after since, you know, middle of summer or so. And, uh, you know, I just want to thank all the people that have supported this podcast and who are affiliated with us. Um, Osseo gear, one of the best camo brands on the market. You know, I've, uh, I've been a huge fan of Osseo for the past few years and I'm so happy that, you know, I've been able to build a relationship with Joe, Lucas, Rendell, um, and just everyone that's over there, man. They're all awesome guys. 
And congratulations to Lucas and Rendell Eric. Uh, Lucas Kincaid, Rendell Eric, y'all made the team on Osseo. That is awesome, guys. I know all the hard work you guys have been putting in. I know Joe has, uh, you know, realized it. And so I figured I'd give y'all a shout out. Um, but, you know, if, if, you're, uh, if you're in the market for some new camo, go check out osseogear.com and use our promo code SBH10. It'll save you 10% site-wide. And, you know, it's, hey, it's comfy stuff. It's made out of really good material. It's very quiet. keeps you cool, but it also keeps you warm, you know, depending on the weather. They have early season stuff, um, a non-metallic belt, uh, late season stuff, new gloves, hats, shirts, anything you need, man. Uh, Joe Miles has basically gotten all all hunters covered in their camo. He, you know, he he's got it covered in every sense, um, and it's just a great company, great people, great company. So go check them out. Use that promo code. Uh, next up is going to be Summit Tree Stands. Uh, I actually have to unload, or I guess load up my Summit when I get home, um, get it outside, get that, you know, garage smell off of it, let it sit in the back of the truck for a couple days, um, and just get it ready for season. I mean, it's completely ready. Everything's checked out, uh, wrapped in some of that silent strip stuff, uh, the stealth strip, um, good stuff, man. And Summit, you know, they, they've been in the industry for a very long time. They're a staple in the tree stand, uh, company area, I guess, whatever you want to call it. Um, this intro is probably not going to be all that great, man. I'm exhausted, but summit tree stands, go check them out, go to their website, uh, use our promo code with them. S E B H 15. Um, I talked with Jake uh, a couple months ago and they've got some really cool stuff coming down the pipeline. So y'all stay tuned for that. As soon as I hear more about it, I will let you guys know. Um, but yeah, man, summit tree stands, I, I trust them with my life. You know, they're super safe, uh, super light, great, great quality made in America. Um, you know, and they've got climbers and hang-ons and sticks. And I, I said every episode, they have everything you need for tree stands. So go check them out. S E B H 15 to say 15% site-wide. Um, awesome stuff guys. Uh, I guess, you know, one of the things that I do want to kind of shout out is scout tech, man. I've been using, um, their solar panel now for about three weeks and my cell cam that it's connected to is still at 100%. Uh, you know, it, it weathered the rain, it, it keeps that thing charged, and it is it has really made my um, trips out there a lot easier because I don't have to go out there as much, you know? I, I've heard from a lot of people that the less pressure, the better. And I think people just kind of, you know, it's early season, people get excited, they want to go in every chance they get, and I get that. But if you're after a big buck and you're in there when he's not, but you're leaving your scent when he is in there, he's not going to show up in daylight because he knows that you're hunting him. So... Those solar panels really help, man. If you've got a cell can that eats up batteries like mine used to, those solar panels are a lifesaver. And Scout Tech also has um, a lot of things working with other trail camera companies. If you haven't really listened to, or if you haven't heard about them much, go listen to our episode with Ryan and his family um, on Scout Tech. I think we did it like a month ago and it was such a great episode. I actually have a camera from Ryan that I am currently trying to get to work. Uh, it's got nothing to do with the camera. It's the SD card. Um, I had Ryan check it out. He, you know, he took the one that I got and he gave me another one, same thing. So we both, you know, he looked into it a little bit more and it turns out the SD card I'm using is not right for the camera. So I got to get into a new SD card. Um, and you know, as soon as I do, I'll put that thing in the woods and we'll get it rolling. Um, haven't really decided where I'm going to put it yet, but you know, I'll figure that out. 
Uh, last but not least, Urban Archery Outfitters, Throw the Outdoors. Awesome people, great company. Um, they got a lot of stuff coming. You know, it's a long process with them, but it's going to be worth it in the end. And Chris, Steven, Jimbo, Paul, everybody, everyone working with them. You know, I, I am just so thankful that they're partnered up with us and that we get to see that that company grow and see what they're going to do for the hunting community. And I think, you know, it, it's a great partnership. Um, but yeah, man, go look, go over your stuff. You know, at the time of this episode dropping, we got four or five days before uh, Georgia opener. So if you haven't gone through your stuff, you haven't shot your bow, you haven't checked your broadheads, you haven't tuned your bow, man, you are behind the curve now. Like you have got to get your stuff together. But uh, look, enough preaching from me. Just want to say thank you, Jesus, for everything you've done. Um, that episode we did with Suburban Bowhunter, man, that was by far one of my favorite episodes I think we've ever done. Um, I always get excited when we can put the, the Lord out there and, and give him the spotlight for a little bit. Um, if I could give him an entire episode, I would, but I don't think you guys would listen to that. <laughs> Uh, cause it would just be me talking about how great Jesus is, which, you know, that really, I really feel like people nowadays are starting to turn more to him and realize that, you know, all the stuff going on in the world, it's, it's because Jesus is out of the schools. He's out of everything, you know, and we need to get him back in there cause without him, nothing's possible. So look, just want to say it again. Thank you, Jesus, for everything you've done. Um, and you know what? Preaching is over. Let's get in this episode with Dennis Lewis from Obsession Bows and Scrape Juice. All right, guys, we got Dennis Lewis from Obsession Bows and Scrape Juice here. Man, uh, look, you know, I've been a big fan of the Scrape Juice stuff, and I actually just recently learned about Obsession Bows from a buddy of ours, um, and I've been looking at them. Planning on trying to get a new one this year, or maybe next year uh, after this season. But, you know, Dennis is here to basically tell us everything about it, and we'll just see where this goes, man. So, what's going on, dude? How's things been uh, How's things been hanging? Oh, been going really good. You know, we uh, moved up to Kentucky back uh, a couple years ago. Uh, Obsession, of course, is still in Georgia, where we, me and my wife, Angela, started the company. And, of course, we sold to Arches Hunting back in... 2015 I believe it was and uh, we've just gotten so busy with that company and we were funding it ourselves and we were doing really well uh, we had actually won best bow two out of three years uh, even up against the big guys in uh, some of the magazines where they did the field testing and had the dealers meet up in Kentucky and some engineers and just kind of brought all the bows in and that kind of launched us into a new level of sales back in 2014. We were already doing good. Yeah. But uh, we were so busy at those ATA shows. It was amazing at how many orders we were writing uh, back then at the ATAs. And it was just insane. I mean, we were, uh, the phone would ring back at the shop and they were either ordering, the dealers were either ordering bows or calling to see when their bows were going to ship, which was a. <laughs> great problem to have oh yeah so uh and tell you just a little bit about how we started obsession i'm sure you know folks want to know it was it was back i was in uh pharmacy business for a long time and then i got out of that and went to chase my dream in the hunting industry and that's how i got involved with scrape juice i bought it from in from florida from out of wildwood florida from billy vernon back in 96 so wow. I had some history with we'll using it for since the 80s. Yeah. 
so while doing that, you know, I said, well, what better way to promote it than start a television show? So we started a TV show uh, back in, I think, 02 called Southern Woods and Water. And we wound up, when the pursuit launched, I think in 05, I believe, mm-hmm. we were one of their first five shows uh, that had signed up with them. And so, and what was going on then, I was shooting high country archery, mm-hmm. uh, which made back in the day, back in their heyday, they were one of the top bows. They were, you know, winning some national championships and different things in the 80s and 90s. I become friends with those guys and was shooting actually high country. And then high country kind of uh, took a step back and so I went over to PSC. And so I got involved in making a bow and I get asked this all the time is, so how did you start, what got you making a bow? Why, I mean, how, how did you want to jump out there and compete with the Matthews and all the other brands? And, and basically it was all from a sponsorship that didn't seem to work out too well back mm-hmm. then. Uh, PSE at the time was promising, promising, we're going to do this. We're, and, you know, we kept waiting on bows, and we didn't get them. And, and you know, PSE makes a great bow. They still make a good bow today. But due to the timing at the time, I was like, okay, dear season's here. We don't have bows from the sponsor that we were working with. I'm like, okay, <clears throat> they're no smarter than me. I said, I'll just make my own bow. I don't care if I sell 20 or 30 of them. Uh, I'm smart enough and, you know, I said, I'll get in the industry and just try it. So basically what we did, uh, we made a riser cams and, and I've, I've been shooting competition archery since the early eighties, back mm-hmm. when Martin was in their heyday. I used to shoot old Martin Firecat back then. So competition archery and TV show and the deer scent company kind of led me in. Okay, I got a TV show I can promote the deer lure and show people at work and then but the bow the bow deal kind of aggravated me i said you know what i just make my own bow yeah so i did and um so i wanted a bow that was uh it would compete with anybody as far as indoor shooting or hunting 3d whatever because i shot 3d mm-hmm. so uh, a friend of mine dennis wilson who owns the patent on the two-track cam system he helped me get the cam design started, and that was uh, uh, Bozone, uh, which is known today as Bozone, but it's Dennis Wilson that actually owns the patents on the two-track that Elite and about 14 other bow companies at one time were using. <clears throat> so he was gracious enough to help us with the cam system. And so I took it to uh, up near Atlanta and shot an indoor shoot, and actually, uh, one first place with it and it was just a prototype oh, wow. and I shot some local 3Ds and did pretty good yeah. and I said okay well I got a bow that shoots good so uh, we just refined it from there in 2009 and then we went to the ATA I think and might have been 2010 or might have been 2011 I can't quite remember exact year but so um, I'd gotten a tree stand accident and uh, broke uh, both legs uh, compound oh, breaks uh, I had a buckle break actually one of my sponsors uh, buckle failed <laughs> and Jeez. I hadn't been back then you know lifelines weren't a 
uh, being used or heard of in 2010 and 11. And so when that buckle broke, I just, you know, disconnected from the safety strap, got on a stick ladder and that pop metal buckle snapped and I went to the ground and a life flight me. So when that happened, I had Kevin Schroeder give me a call and said, hey, I see you making bows. Uh, Can we help with some of your designs? And, you know, that's when I already got my design. They said, well, I'll make your bows quicker. You can still use your cam system from Dennis Wilson and that. And so we kind of teamed up and made a really fast, smooth bow because what I wanted to do, uh, what made Obsession great and really do well was I wanted a bow that was fast, but yet smooth and dead in the hand. Mm-hmm. So you got companies like Elite and Matthews, they had really smooth shooting bows, dead in the hand, was for quiet. But their speeds to me just weren't there then. I'm not saying they're not there now. Yeah. You know, speeds are much better with throughout the industry with all the bow companies. And PSA was kind of on top with the speed. But, you know, those bows to me felt like they were super hard to shoot to achieve those speeds. So mm-hmm. I said, well, if I can make a bow that's smooth, fast, and dead, then we got a niche. Then the other thing that we did, just kind of, um, which made us really strong, was you walk into a, the ATA show and you went by whoever's booth it was. Let's say it was Bear. They had, uh, I'm not sure what camera they were using or you back then, but let's say it's real tree and then you went to elite and let's say they had real tree and you went to PSE. i think they were mossy oak mm-hmm. so you walk around the show it was real tree mossy oak and then lost camo by matthews and that was pretty much it so it was either real tree mossy oak. so what we did to be different is the and i think if you look around with the different hunters they either got sick uh or they got real tree, or they got mossy oak, or treason. They got their favorite camo. Yeah. So we decided, well, why don't we offer to the dealers, and they could sell it to the customers. Let's offer whatever camo they want on the boats, whatever works in that region or that area, or whatever that customer wants to order. We bought Color Fusion in-house to do our own camo, so the process was pretty easy. So if, if a dealer called up and said, hey, I need to get 10 bows in real tree, three in mossy oak, uh, two in Sitka, uh, we need some in cryptic, and we want last leaf. Uh, back then it was Stormy Hardwoods, which was really popular. Um, but we had those different camos. So when you walked into our booth, it was like walking to a... Um, a car lot you go to Atlanta Georgia and Ford and Chevy they look kind of cool but in the Corvettes and the Ford Mustangs but where you really want to shop is go over by where they got the Jaguars and F-types and you know and then these exotic cars and that's kind of where I wanted obsession to be more or less you look you, it caught your eye when you see that at a booth yeah and not only did it catch your eye but it was dead in the hand it would outperform most of the bows in the industry in speed, and it was easy to shoot. So people, at that time, we had that going on, and it just totally just went crazy in sales, and 
we were building the boat so fast, we had several investment groups trying to purchase the company mm -hmm. in 2014. So in 2015, we did sell to Arcus Hunting, which me and my wife are still shareholders with Arcus, who owns Dead Down Wind, Tanks, Ramcat, and uh, those companies. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's, and then so in the mention all that, so Scrape Juice kind of went dormant because the boat company got really busy mm -hmm. and we were just killing it. And I'm like, okay. So I had to quit the TV show because the boat company was just really thriving. So uh, when Arcus purchased the company, they also bought uh, Scrape Juice okay. out from us. So, and Scrape Juice had changed a few hands. Faradine and Muzzy had wound up with it. Then I bought it from Faradine back. And then when I got it back, Arcus bought it from me. So that's how, and then they couldn't really sell it or promote it much because of Tinks. So it kind of just sat there quietly and we focused on the boat company. And so with several years with Arcus, then when Arcus sold out again, I said, okay, let's, let's fire scrape juice back up to where it used to be. And so myself and my wife are, you know, of course, got scrape juice back on. It's really doing well right now. Yeah. Of course, Obsession sold to Martin Outdoors. And I still consult for them. And we've got some really super cool designs for 2024 that's just really, uh, they're, they're short. That's probably the best bows we ever have designed or had is the 2024 of course it'll be sporting the new two track with the uh, rotating mod and we're looking at doing the gear drive on it just some, where you can move draw links in 16th of an inch increments instead of one inch increments or yeah. half inch so we've got it where we're going to adjust the we should be able to if all goes well, like I said, I'm a consultant. I don't actually own it anymore, but I've done some designs for 2024. They're just, you know, they're they're sharp. They really are. And so the cam system that Dennis Wilson, which we, I mean, him actually worked at the drugstore business back in the 90s together. Oh, wow. Shot competition archery. So Dennis Wilson, of course, my name's Dennis Lewis, but he was the inventor of the two-track cam. So even though Rex Darlington was a part owner of it back then uh, Wilson owns it solely by himself now and uh, so we still license that from him it's a great shooting cam system of course we offered a hybrid cam on also uh, some of our lower end boats mm -hmm. but that's that's kind of a where it's at right now we're in Kentucky and uh, Scrape Juice is up here and of course Obsession is owned by Martin Outdoors, which is in Georgia, and I go down there and visit, you know, periodically and work on things and help them. Yeah, man. I mean, that, so, like, Scrape Juice, I knew about it um, when I first started hunting, and, you know, I've tried multiple different things. Now, I didn't know what I was doing, you know? I would just walk in, spray it on the ground, and think that, oh, they're going to come to it. Um, recently, in the past couple of years, I've actually learned, like, how to do it, Um and you know I've been hearing nothing but good things. You know all my buddies are using it. Um, well, that's I just great. We, you know, one of the things I'll tell you a little bit about scrape juice that old, and people can go on our Facebook page and look and kind of see it is not 
just deer urine in a bottle. Yeah, dude, I was going to touch on that. I want to hear this. <laughs> I go through the trouble. I'll go to deer processors and taxidermists, and I will collect tarsals. I'll mm-hmm. get interdigital. There's interdigital between the does. I'll get a pre-oval gland. Whatever glands I can get, and there's some parts that I get from the does, and then I'll tincture that, and I'll get what I call our concentrate. And I learned that from Billy Burden, which it came from a trapper in Georgia mm-hmm. back 70 years ago. I mean, that's how old wow. that formula is. But there's about 14 different things that are in it, mostly it's, uh, gland secretions from mm-hmm. white-tailed deer. But it's not a mass-produced product. We don't, you know, it's not in your big box stores. Uh, if if we were to ever get in a big box store with it, you know, it it's probably would be very difficult to duplicate what we do but you know it's something that we'd have far planned in advance because you know i've been in the around deer set businesses and uh you know i guess most of my life and i've been hunting it tells how old i am uh, <laughs> bow hunting since the early 80s but i've been in using deer since then but i tell you why i why i bought that company is Curtis Kitchens, a good friend of mine. He said, you got to try this Bowhunter setup. And uh, there's a story behind Bowhunter's fatal obsession of Bowhunter setup. Yeah. So and I'll tell you that in a second, too. So anyway, he gave me a bottle of it. He says, hey, man, you need to use this. So, and he showed me how to use it. And me not knowing how to use sets back then, I just figured sets a set. He said, you know, put some on the bottom of your boot, but make a set trail by 50 yards before you get to your deer stand or 75 yards just you know so if a deer crosses it he'll trail it and then spray some out and bring his stand I said okay so I did what he said dude and uh, you know we were about quantity back in those days not quality yeah <laughs> and so you know this whole buck management thing came around years later but we were out to just shoot deer and we were it was a big deal by who could kill the most deer back then okay so, you know, opening morning, I had a nice eight-pointer come hit the center and he walked all the way down my stand. Well, I shot and missed him. And he blew at me, run uh, back up the hill. And what was odd about it was he he come back to that scent trail and followed it back down there. Oh, wow. And so I killed him. And then I killed another buck and I killed a doe that morning. Of course, the club president, you know, with everybody's in a hunting club back then you know yeah <laughs> so and you know still hunting clubs today but they're, they're a little different you don't have as many members back then you had a pile of members so i showed up at the uh, camp and the, my buddies helped me pull my deer out so i showed up with three and nobody else had deer huh? <laughs> so the club president he was like you know what you might want to hunt somewhere else oh that's uh, funny you know uh for a while and i'm like you know, I was like, okay. But anyway, so it amazed me that, you know, you can spray that lure. Now, I'm not saying deer, you, you won't get busted. Yeah. But, you know, you can't cover your odor 1,000%. Yeah. So, but I have found this. A lot of times if they'll get wind of that scent, even though they blew at you and run off because they smelled you, their curiosity gets them up and they will come back if you just hang tight and they don't spot you up in the tree moving around because you just got mad because you think you blew your hunt. I've had them come back 
30, 40 minutes later, sneaking in again and, uh, you know, and come to the food plot I was hunting and where they smelled it or the scrapes, especially scrapes. Yeah. You can't tell people enough what you can do by walking into an area. And you can overuse it. I'm going to tell, tell you that because I've done it. You can go in and just put, go crazy with it. And, you, you know, like it's, it's going to do more harm than good when you throw a half a half a bottle out. But if you'll mist it and use it and the, to get the deer's curiosity up, he's coming to it. Yeah. And I've got video after video of bucks trailing it. So, man, that, that stuff. And so the, the story between scrape juice and bow hunter's fatal obsession. God, many years ago, I wound up, I partnered up with a, a company and, you know, me being, uh, not being business savvy, I gave away two thirds of my company mm. at no charge. Oh no. To be a part of a bigger company. Yeah. And boy, was that a fatal mistake. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, I could, so anyway, the fat word fatal, you know, right. Kind of with me. I'm like, man, I just made a huge mistake. Things were going sour. I'm getting booted out of my own company down the road because they want to move it to another part of the state. And I'm like, I got a four-year-old son. And I'm like, I'm not moving. Yeah. And the company's not moving. So we got in a heated argument. And of course, them only two-thirds of the company I lost. Yeah. Was, uh, There's not much you can do there. It was basically a, a redneck uh, argument. I, there wasn't nothing I could do about it. So I opened <laughs> up another company. Called Whitetail Obsession, I come out with Bowhunter's Fatal Obsession. Oh, I remember so, that. So when I came out with that scent, all my customers, they knew me, so I immediately was doing business. Yeah. And it was doing good because Georgia's right to work state. Nobody can, unless you sign a non compete, nobody can say, hey, you're done. Mm-hmm. You can't do this. You cannot be in this same business. Yes, yeah, so you can just jump so right back in. I lost my company, and it was some heartaches. I mean, I about, man, I'll be honest with you, I about went bankrupt over all that. Oh, no. Uh, and it hurt. And I, just, I, but I said, I wasn't getting, I wasn't getting pushed out of the industry. So yeah. it made me work harder. That's when I started my TV show, is when that happened, I said, all right, I'm going to start a TV show. I'm going to promote this whitetail obsession. And so it was going good. And then I wound up, I was able to buy scrape juice back. So I bought it back several years later. They called me up and said, hey, you want it back? You can buy it. I'm like, oh, because it had been bought out. Yeah. So the guy with Faradine called me up and he said, hey, you want this company and the inventory? I'll make you a deal. Says your heart was in it and you did good with it. You can get it back. And I was like, oh, there's my baby. I'm fixing to get it back. So I got it back. (laughs) And so I brought it back and kept Bowhunter's Fatal Obsession, Scrape Juice Bowhunter set up. Now we're starting to bring back some of the scrape older Scrape Juice products from back in the 80s and mm-hmm. 90s, because at one time it had 75 items. It was wow. a big deal back in the 80s and 90s. People like Dan Perez was on our staff. Mm. He was u- using the product before I bought the company. Brenda Valentine. That is crazy. Some of the guys with Primos, they were using I got videotapes with some of the guys from Primo's doing promotional videotapes for the company back in the 80s. So it had some really big names using it before before the uh, 
when I say this, and I want to say this, you know, everything's gotten so commercialized, and there's so much, um, I guess there's a lot more people doing TV shows. Back when I was doing a TV show, the cheapest camera you could get that was really good was about 10 grand. Yeah. And some before that were thirty five and forty thousand before I started. So things got smaller and cost less. Mm-hmm. But when we were doing our T V show, you know, I had that Canon XL one and then this other thing, I can't remember what it was by Canon. Then all of a sudden they started making these little bitty cameras do the same thing as the big cameras. Yep. I remember so when that happened. It, it changed so much. But so that's that's the story of scrape juice and uh and uh, Whitetail Obsession, which are really the same. It's the same stuff. You go buy a scrape juice bow hunter set up and you pick it up off the shelf, and there's Whitetail or, or Bow Hunter Fate Obsession in the black and white. Yeah. It's because there was a story or relationship <laughs> there. So I couldn't kill either brand. Yeah. So I kept it. So let me and, ask you this. And so, so today, they're kind of equal in sales. I mean, some of the older folks or people that used to know scrape juice bow hunter set up, yeah. they're buying it. The people that uh, followed over from scrape juice and bought the bow hunter's fate obsession, they're buying that. So it's just a matter of, you like the white model or you want the amber model? Yeah. In the yellow, you know? Yep. Well, so, there's a place down the street that sells it. Um, they've got an entire wall of y'all stuff. And like I picked up. Do what? Who'd you say? Um, Larry's Four Way in Monticello. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh my God, they sell a, they sell an unbelievable amount. Of oh yeah. Store. Everybody around I mean, here we, uses it. We've got a lot of stores that are doing really well, and you know when I tell people, I said when it sits in the store, it's it's something geared for the bow hunters. They get started using it early season. So you got your early season guys, mm-hmm. then you got the pre-rep, they're going to continue to use it because it even works better during October, pre-rep and rut, it gets better because it is a territorial set. It triggers a territorial, uh, you know, deer, you know, all deer territorial. Yeah. So it will trigger their territorial instincts even better during the pre-rep. So let me ask you this before we you know sort of transition from scrape juice obsession because i have a, a lot of questions about the <laughs> about the bow yeah. company um you were saying like if you overuse it so you are the perfect person to ask i got a bottle the other day and went to one of my spots where one of my shooters is showing up you know pretty much every evening he started showing up in the morning which threw me off completely but i made a mock scrape and sprayed um i think it's it's not the fatal obsession one it's uh, no it's the well maybe it's is that is that what's in the um setup the bow hunter setup no 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 no. okay so there's tarsal in it but there is strictly a tarsal lure we got it's in a red bottle as tarsal and dominant oh you know what i did see that okay so i may i'm probably gonna i would wait more around the rest to do that that's what i was thinking when i saw it so i got the um bow hunter setup and all my like jd was saying you know try it out my buddy andy was saying try it out my buddy thor everyone we have this whole group chat that we all just literally blow each other's phones up all day and they were sending me photos and like dude you need to try this it's really good all that and so i got a bottle went to my spot um like a couple days ago and i wasn't sure like how much to put on the licking branch 
So I sprayed a little bit, I think like maybe three or four pumps in the actual mock scrape, and then... Yeah, that's that's probably about right. You know, one or two, three pumps and same thing on the leaking branches. And, okay, see, that's know, where I messed you up. Want to go in there if you go in there and like dump a half a bottle out in there and then just spray a whole bottle of the limbs, yeah. you, you go... <laughs> They're going to be like, okay, this isn't right. And that's that's why I was wondering, because I did, I'm not even going to lie, probably like 15, 20 sprays on the branches. Because it's, the way it's set up, it's not one single branch. It's like this bush that has a branch coming out, and there's probably three or four little offshoots from it. And so I sprayed quite a bit on there. Just because, I'm not going to lie, man, every time in the past month that I have made a mock scrape, it rains the next day, or that day. I mean, literally, I'll go out there two hours later, it's raining, like pouring rain. Well, you know what's odd is back last year, I went to some scrapes, and I kid you not, it come a flood after I did it, and the deer still came to it. Really? Okay. Because, see, it's kind of, the stuff's a little bit thick and greasy feeling, so it does hold on a lot longer. Yeah. You know, urine usually evaporates pretty quick and will leave a little bit of a smell, but ours... It's almost like it's got a greasy texture to it, you know. So when you spray it, it's a you can if you were to spray it in your hand and feel it, it's it's you can you can tell it's not just urine. Oh, I got some on my hand, so I know exactly what you're talking about. It smelled to high heaven for like half a day the next day. <laughs> that yeah, stuff yeah. is strong, man. It's but the thing. So basically, what I'm kind of getting at with it is, do you think that spraying that much on there may have kind of obviously they smelled it but i haven't had any photos of them hitting it so do you think maybe doing that much might have thrown them off a little bit too much it can affect it a little okay. bit yeah gotcha well i'll yeah, just i'll do with anything and, you know it don't matter if anything you're trying to use it it can affect it yeah I, i'll just use a little less but, next time so but you know and plus keep in mind when you step into an area it's if you if and i've noticed even when i go through with my trail cameras and we're never we, we, we're not as scent conscious this time of year when we're going oh, no. in the woods or we are hunting season. Yeah, not at all. But when you step into an area and you drive your, whether it's electric or gas, whatever, to there, and then you walk in there and you spend a little time in there, they know you're there. Oh, yeah. So it takes a little bit of time for them to start coming back in there, too. Yeah, and I mean, I... I and I've, I've noticed that, you know, uh, uh, you know, now I've went in and when I've went in totally scent free, and I've got trail camera pictures, and you can go on that scrape his Facebook page. You can see me putting it out in uh, around that morning or lunchtime, mm-hmm. and then before the day's out, there's multiple bucks in there hitting it. So if you're scent conscious when you go in there and really do the right thing and don't park your noisy ATV nowhere close to where you're you know yeah. hunting and don't run everything out of the woods and you make your approach in there and you go to use it uh then you probably have deer on the same day okay but you know but it's just i mean we're all guilty of it like yesterday i went into an area and uh, you know and there was a uh, i made a moss scrape and i i drove in there with my electric uh polaris road on in there and I, I was more or less, I, I was not, and that's not the dumbest thing I could ever do. Uh, is I, I just did not spray down with sun eliminator before I went in there. I didn't have my knee high boots on, and I, I walked in there. And of course, I hadn't uh, 
you know, uh, hung a trail cab on that yet, but I got to think about it, so that probably wasn't the right thing to do. <laughs> you know, it's just, I've been, we've been so busy yeah. bottling and packaging every day. It's been crazy. We've had a just really strong uh, past uh, few months, mm-hmm. and I thought I was going to get back from some of the trade shows and get a breather and spend a little time in the woods but that didn't happen <laughs> yeah well and this property is really tricky because it's one acre on um jackson lake and yeah. the spot that i'm in like it's a power line that's right next to my in-law's father's place so there's yeah. deer i mean these deer don't care about people like i've literally dro- driven up on seven does and i'll mess with them i'll roll the window down and be like what's up ladies like playing around with them oh, yeah. and they just look at me and they're like what like what do you want like they don't run off you know yeah so i never really think about my scent when i go in there but the buck i think i mean he's probably going to be smarter than those does are so when i go when i go when that velvet comes off there'll be a little different animal oh yeah yeah he's very close to shedding i hope he doesn't because if he shows up opening evening man it's over and if he's in velvet johnson's video the other day he went in there and put out some uh new tracks and Mm -hmm. uh he was putting that out and then he went over and made a scrape probably 50 yards behind it and you could see the trail camera take his he, he had it on video and it was video and him spraying down the branches mm-hmm. i don't know if it's same day or very next day but he had three nice bucks there one of them was over in that scrape carrying it up oh man yeah yeah so these deer they drive us course, nice. he went in there camouflaged and sent free and and you know and he sprayed down that mock scrape and it was he had deer right on it and, and usually that I, I do you know i'll i have deer right on mine yeah but i but there again i'm i'm a little i'm a little more conscious when i'm trying to get pictures or something i try to sneak in and sneak out and don't don't drive right up to where i'm at you know yeah and yeah i, I think my truck's takes, like 20 yards from my spot i mean when people <laughs> like you go in an area and even when you set a set a stand you know it takes two or three days for a spot to cool off because they know you've been there oh yeah that's why i use a climber because i can just get in and get out I'm, I'm with you i use a climber too a lot well and after you said that story about you having the um hang on issue i mean i have a hang on but you know i've got my summit completely set up and it's rigged now that this season i can get in and out no problem because i don't trust that, I, I like being attached that's to the what, tree that's what i got is a summit climber and i can use my safety Bed all the way up, but that metal buckle that broke, I'll never trust a stick ladder. That's what I'm saying, dude. I, I'm scared of heights yeah, too, so I want to be connected. You're okay, but still. Yeah. That's a pretty bad little, you know, if it breaks, it still is not going to be feel too good. No. Not dangling at all. from up there off but but yeah, that thing snapped, and me and I went 25 feet and about killed. Dude, me. well, I'm glad you're okay now. I mean, that's that's terrifying. Because I know people yeah, sometimes surprised, don't get that lucky. I'm still walking around, but I am. Hey, that's the good Lord looking out for you, man. Oh, yeah, because I was in a wheelchair. See, it happened in November, and I think it was about almost around. They had to do some few, a different, another operation in there. They had some cadaver bone to paste to keep from amputating them to try to oh, get them to grow back. So I was in a wheelchair to wasn't a year, but it was close. Dude, that's insane. You just made me think about selling my hang-on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you better have a lifeline. Don't go up I do. It. Yeah, I do. I just, oh, man, that's that's so sketchy. Well, look, I want to talk about Obsession um, and how you guys 
honestly blew me away when I figured it out. So like we were at the um, World Deer Expo working with, uh, we had a booth, or not really a booth, but like we were in the Urban Archery Outfitters booth. And we met Jimbo and we did a little segment with him on the video podcast that we did that day. And he was, you know, coming up. And I've always been like, the type that thought, oh, every bow is going to feel the same, right? Like, I've only ever shot bear. That's the only bow that I've, you know, hunted with. I shot my buddy's Hoyt, didn't really care for it. Um, I shot an Elite and liked it, but like you said, you know, the speeds aren't really up there, which is what I've sort of started gravitating towards was a higher-end, higher-speed bow. Um, well, I like this but yeah, I want something to be super smooth exactly. and Yeah, exactly. And I've shot, you know, a few other brands that I'm just like, eh, I'm not really, I'm not feeling it. So, you know, JD, um, I think just got a, what is it, a HB33. And, you know, I've been really heavily looking at that bow because it's, it's super quick. And what, what blows my mind... Oh, it's quick, and it's... A hybrid cam, and but now the hybrid cam is nothing wrong with it. But our smoothest bow is that two track. So what? Is, what is the two track? Because Jimbo told me about it, but I don't. I'm not the bow guy. I'm the arrow guy. So JD knows so all about this. Two tracks. It's a dual take up and dual let out. It's mirror image cams. So basically, they're in sync together. Okay, a hybrid cam system. You got to yoke it to top and no yoke at the bottom and the cam shaped one way at the top and another way at the bottom it's almost like a cam and a half system Uh so you're not travel back okay so it's like in just uh, the solo cam uh you know it's true they don't come out of time yeah but but because there's nothing to time it by you got one cam and then you got a round wheel yeah but the not travel will move on a hybrid cam system or solo cam so if that string stretches your knot travel moves with a dual seat cam system your knot travel is not going to move once you set that bow in time Hmm. if it stretches you know those cams move together and that's just a deader shooting bow and quieter bow is that two track cam system because you know what is what's your draw length uh 28 28 so i'm a 28 so if I were to choose a bow that we make today, I'd probably get that Nitro Ghost in a 28 because it'd be a perfect hunting bow. It's fast. Mm-hmm. It's got a two-track on it. Gotcha. Yeah, me and Chris, uh, Chris Cannon, were talking for like two hours about Obsession the other day. I told him you were coming on, and he was like, oh, man, you know, you need to try this and that. I think he is like an XBR, and he was, um, he was pushing it hard. And I'm like, dude, I... The thing about me that I I learned is I'm actually very picky about my bows. And so, like, right now I'm shooting a bare single cam. And it it does the job. I don't really like the feel that much um, just because... It's not fast. It's it's older, bow, isn't it? No, it's from 2021. I mean, it's older, I guess, but it's not, like, you know, old, old. But the thing about it I don't like, the main thing, is when it drops into the valley it drops it's not like a smooth and then little clunk it like you pull it back and my shoulder will literally just drop down and that's cool but it sometimes you know if i'm not still pulling back it'll try to snap back out of full draw and i don't i don't know if that's just a form issue or what the deal is but well no it's probably some some cam systems 
don't have a lot of valley. It could be a setup issue, or it may not be. Mm-hmm. You know, because you can pick up some of those, and when you roll, and, and the way I like to design the obsession is when you roll that system over, you want a valley, yeah. an adjustable valley. So with that draw stop that we've got, you can adjust a little bit and change your valley and your let off just a little bit. Wow! But I like to be able to draw back, and I, you know, I had a big buck walk up back a few years ago mm-hmm. and I drew back because I seen him coming and you know you want to be able to hold a boat yeah a while if you need to yeah so and then he gets to the stand and then he got out a tree and I'm like are you kidding me <laughs> so I'm sitting there holding a 72 pound bow back mm. because of the let off it had a tremendous amount of let off in Great Valley and I was able to prop it on my knee and wait on him to give me a shot and then I killed him what but, you can't do that with some bows. They'll wear you, wear you down and pull it, come right out of you. You know. Yeah. Well, you that's... can't hold them back. So the obsession, you know, is I, I think, and you know, we're not the only one, but it, it's just a, it's a killer uh, valley and let off on that boat. And we had one year we come out with a three track, but I'm not a fan of that. But we uh, our engineer at the time you know designed that and i was like oh my god that's a that's i wasn't a fan of that and so but these and so we went back to that two track Mm -hmm. got got away from that three track and went right back to the two track i'll tell you two track it's night and day that system right there is an unbelievable shooting system yeah I'm going to have to shoot one because, like, I've shot, like I said, I shot Hoyt, Elite, all of that. And the thing, the one thing, I can get used to, like, you know, the valley or how it drops and the rollover and all that. But the one thing I'm very, very picky about that I'm curious about Obsession because I've never shot one. When you, how aggressive is, like, say you're at 72 pounds, 28 inches. Um, when you go to pull that back. I had a buddy of mine that has a PSE, and I'm not knocking PSE. This dude is 6'5", freaking jacked, right? So he, he can pull this back no problem. He's got a 30-inch draw, all this stuff. Well, I go to pull his bow back, and I can't even get this thing started. And I'm just like, I've shot 70 pounds, and his is at 70 pounds. So what is this, right? Like, I was mad. I'm like, dude, what the heck? And then when I shot... A lot of bows are real stiff up front hard to draw. Yeah, and, and I'm like... I'm, I was a little embarrassed. I'm like, dude, I've pulled back a Hoyt that's 72 pounds, had no problem. And so I guess my question is, like, comparing that to a bow like that, Obsession, how is the draw cycle? Is it just one smooth motion? Is it kind of tough at the beginning and then it smooths out? I mean, like, how would you... It loads up a little bit at the beginning, but it's not real aggressive. Okay. You know, where, where you got to, where it's all at the front. Mm-hmm. So the way to design a bow cam system is you know during the first several inches of the draw cycle you wanted to hold most of its weight yeah but and and that way it gives you your speed and your comfort and if you fit off if it's got a big hump at the front and then it draw first draw full curve it drops off you know a lot after that mm-hmm. that's what you're fighting there 
Gotcha. Okay. You want something that's kind of an even draw cycle coming back where it maintains a lot of the weight. Because the longer it holds the weight, the faster it is, too. So that brings me to my next question that I have. Because, again, I'm not – if you talk to me or J.D., he's the one that's all the bow guy, and I'll talk to you for hours about arrow setups and all that. So I don't know anything really about – aside from the basics, you know. But how do you guys get the speed you do without the bows being, like, two grand? I mean, that's what blows my mind is I compared like the newest Matthews, the newest Hoyts, and I compared y'all's bows and y'all's bows are faster. I think there's one Hoyt that's maybe two feet per second faster, but that's it. So, I mean, how do you do that? Your limb angles, uh, you know, when you design a bow, your belly of the limbs, the way they're made, the, you know, the, because we, you know, if you look, our bows, you know, or beyond what I call parallel, mm-hmm. when you draw them back, if you uh, you know if you watch the way our limbs bend, we get we get a lot of speed from the design of the limb, yeah. along with the cam system. I mean, cams are draw force curves play a big role in the speed of a bow, and so you're trying to you're trying to maintain as much weight as you can mm-hmm. throughout the draw cycle without it being a harsh, you don't want it all up front because that's what you were experiencing with a bow that made it hard to draw. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but if you can draw that bow back and it picks up and it holds most of that 70 pound for a while and then gradually falls off, you're gonna have a fast bow. It's all, it has a lot to do with the design of the cam. Gotcha. Um, and of course it's, you know, you can take a, a bow that doesn't have any reflex to the riser and you've got your your limb angles are not right and you can put those uh, cams on it and it'd be dog slow so you've got this combination of limb angles style limbs you use and what length the limbs are draw force curve on the cam system strings and cables make a difference you know um so you know there's a lot of a lot of things and you know you get custom strings made with uh, like John and John's custom archery, he makes some of the fastest, best strings in the industry. But he's a custom string builder. Mm-hmm. But you can take, you know, a set of custom strings if they're made right, and you know you can pick up several foot a second just there. Yeah, that's crazy. That's yeah. so crazy. And so there's a lot. There's a lot. It's like a race car. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of things you can do to them to speed them up. There's a lot of things you can do to them to mess the speed up. Oh, yeah. I mean, I used to drive race cars in high school, so I know exactly what you're talking uh, about. Yeah, so, so there'll be the littlest of the thing that you don't think makes that big a difference. Yep. But it does. Yeah. I've seen one pound, one PSI in a tire make a world of difference. And you would never <laughs> think it would. You, would. you wouldn't think that. Yeah. That's so crazy, man. Yeah, you're blowing my mind right now with, with all the bow science. <laughs> like, well, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you, can, you know, you can preload your bow a little bit mess with the strings and cables and get more speed out of them too yeah i've seen people do that but doesn't that put extra like strain on the limbs and not make them last no, as long not if it's designed properly oh okay okay because i saw chris you b know. do that and he made like a hundred pound bow with his matthews and i think well, i mean i think I, if it's a 70 pound bow yeah i can keep the same poundage and give it more preload and just manipulate the strings and cables, you know, either twist in or out in your string and cables and get the maximum performance out of your, you know, the way your cams roll over too. 
I mean, so you can always tinker with them a little bit and get a few more feet a second. I never knew there was so much. I've heard of twisting the strings and stuff, but I never knew there was, like, other things you could do to gain speed or poundage, I guess. That's just wild. That's so wild to me. So, yeah, like... I mean, you can twist up your cables. Yeah. Several twists, and you can get a ton of... You can get a bunch more poundage out of it. <laughs> so... Yeah, well, that's what Chris did. He, he twisted his cables a lot, and I think one of them was about to slip off the cam, so he had to, you know, take a twist or two out. And it's just like, I've, I've heard horror stories of people messing with stuff like that, and the bow just explodes. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, you care what happened to <laughs> yeah. I would probably try to, you know, preload them up and not change your poundage. You know, yeah. 70-pound, keep it at 71, 72 pound, and then, you know, you can preload it a little bit and still keep that poundage and get your speed. Gotcha. Yeah, that's it's. I've still got a lot to learn with bows. I usually call JD or Jimbo, and I'm like, "Hey guys, this is what I'm thinking." Like, whenever I get my obsession, because um, you basically convinced me. <laughs> I think, I think you've convinced me for sure. Because um, it, you know, comparing well, you can what. Give me a woman, not on, you know, not on the podcast here. You can give me a shout, and we can, and you know, help you out on what to do there, and you know what you need to. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, because like I said, I'm. I'm going to. Um, that way you get the right deal on the. You know, make sure you both set. You know, you got the right performance for your draw length. Yeah, and that's that's the thing that I've really dove into because like I talked to T Bone a couple weeks ago and sent him all my specs because I was looking at using the Mega Meat again. T-Bone, ask T Bone. He's used at Mo Hunter's uh, Fatal Session. Ask him what he thinks of it. Has he really? All right, I'll text him when we get off of here and see see what he Just says. Say, hey, Take a bow hunter's fatal obsession. Just tell me you did a podcast with him. I've been knowing old T Bone a long time. But oh, dude. T Bone is, you know, of course, you know, we don't sponsor him and all. I mean, we couldn't afford to if we wanted to. Yeah. But I think he'll tell you that's some good stuff. Oh, yeah. T Bone is like the guy I go to, man. Whenever I've got a question about just arrows. Say, just, and... ask, just ask T Bone. So we, see, I talked to Dennis Lewis ask him, say, what do you think of that? Uh, scrape these bow hunters' fatal obsession. <laughs> All right, I will. Just tell him you had mentioned his name and say, well, I, see, I think that T-Bone's you know, used it before. He can probably tell you his experience with it. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, T-Bone, like I said, he's like, in my eyes, the oh, archery guy. guru, man. Oh, I love him. Great he, guy. He, he, like he, a finer person. He's, I mean, I, I like, you know, that, the whole crew's a decent crew, but T-Bone is the man. Yeah. Well, what was crazy about that, and I don't want to make the whole, you know, tail end of this podcast about, you know, other things than what we're talking no, about. But, but he's a great guy. He really is. Oh, for sure. And he can't, he's... I shot tournaments with him back in the, I think, 80s and 90s, man. And you shoot, we shot the same group back when he was shooting Hoyt back then. Yeah. So. Yeah. He, I watched his, um, the Hoyt documentary on him, and I almost got a little emotional. Because, like, I've only... I've only known T-Bone for about a year now, and I've known of him. I mean, I watched them when I was a kid. Like, when I had Michael Waddell on a few months ago, dude, I was fangirling so bad. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I shot bow tournaments with him up there when we were, we used to shoot them old 3D shoots. And yeah. I'd shot in tournaments with him in, in the same group. He's, but, you know, and I'm, I, I don't know if it's Rockdale Archery or somewhere up there in his area we were shooting. Yeah. Well, I, but he he used to go to all the tournaments. Yeah, yeah. He eighties and nineties. He's done so much for the not even just T Bone, but all three of them: Mike, Nick, T Bone, all of them. They've done so much for the hunting industry and community. It's it, I feel like it's 
not right to not give them credit. You know what I mean? Because they've... Oh, absolutely. And they're the same people. Like, I was worried. You know, when I first met T-Bone, I was so worried. I'm like, man, he seems like this super cool dude. When he comes on the podcast, is he going to be like that? Exact, exactly the same way. And Wadi was the exact oh, same way, he, too. He's one guy that's good as gold. You 100%. Him, I said that. I've, I've been like that. I've known him for a long time. Yeah. But he's he's one, he's one of the best out there. For he's sure. He's basically a great guy. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll tell him uh, that we give him a shout-out on this episode so he listens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm only going to T-Bone. Oh, yeah. Well, I want to, before we wrap this up, because we're almost in an hour, I want to ask you about Obsessions. I think one of the only bow brands I've seen that actually lets you customize basically everything. So you touched on the camo. Um, I know Chris Cannon, his bow, dude, he's got like red cams, a bunch of different things. You can get that. You can get the sick on there. You can get your, uh, any camo you want. I mean, Obsession can put it on there. So, no matter what it is. So if I hit up uh, my buddy Joe Miles at Osseo and said, hey, you think we could get something with Obsession to have a bow? Because he, he told me about some place that I guess does like hydro dipping or something for Osseo on bows. Um, I wonder if he would well, be... See, he's, his camo, uh, he could get color fusion to print it. Yeah. And basically, I don't know what they'll charge him. It's not a lot. Mm-hmm. But he'll have to approve what it looks like, the camo. Gotcha. And once he's looked at it and approves it, they'll send us a sock. Because let me tell you, the difference in a, a dipping in color fusion, ours is a dye sublimation that's heat treated into the powder coat. Oh, wow. So it's not like so a wrap. The, it's so like. The image will not stretch or distort in any way. And bug spray, it, it won't wear off. Yeah. A dip. A dip riser, you know, it's going to wear off the bare metal pretty easy. I got you. Over time. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know anything about all that. uh, Color fusion process, it does not. That's so cool. See, I didn't know that there was all this stuff going on, man. I thought that, like, a lot of these bow companies that come out, you know, with camo on the bow, it's just, I don't know, hydro dipping or obviously not spray paint. But I don't know how any of that works, you know. I mean, it's, it's crazy that there's a... Uh, I guess a process or some sort of way to infuse it into the bow. Yeah, you know? it's infused in there so we can, we have an oven, you can put multiple camos in at one time. Wow. Or if when you dip bows, I don't think you can do that. You got to do a run of just that camo. That's so cool. Dude, you're yeah, teaching me a lot. But, but you can call me sometime tomorrow at midday and I can kind of give you an idea on the obsession bow that would best yeah. suit you for speed, draw length, and everything. Yeah, that'd be great because I'm a. I've got a. I've got a trip planned for. Um, and this circles back around before we talked about Tebow and all that. What I was talking to him about was my current arrow setup, my bow setup, and my speeds. Yep. And I'm at like 240 right now, which oh God. I know. I I know. <laughs> so that made you'll me switch. Over, you'll be over 300 with a hunting arrow. <laughs> oh, dude, that sounds so <laughs> awesome. I would have four hundred and grain arrow. Yeah. Well, I'm shooting 460 right now, and I think. So what I told him was, I'm like, hey, you know, I really want to use the Mega Meat, but I'm shooting this speed. This is my arrow weight. This is my FOC. All of the F, like the FOC is at like 18%. The arrow weight's 460. So the arrow itself is fine. But with that big broadhead on the end, he was like, with the speeds you're putting out, I wouldn't recommend it. So I'm switching to fixed blade this year. And I've got a hunt 
or I'm planning on going to Colorado next year for my first mule deer hunt. And I was talking with T-Bone and my buddy Trent from, from uh, Chest Thumper Outdoors, and they both were like, look, you need something faster. He's like, you need something that when you're at 60 yards, you're not going to have a huge drop. So that's what kind of that's what got me on this whole you know new bow idea and all this other yeah. stuff. So yeah, I mean I'm I'm convinced, man. I mean I'm I'm really I'm looking to upgrade. Uh, like I said, at the end of this season, you know I don't need a 300 foot per second bow for whitetail out here, but oh, out it'll west. Do three, hey, it'll do 300 foot a second. Oh, I know. Any, any <laughs> bows will. Yeah, I think so. With a hunting arrow, like over 400 grains. Yes, Man, on 28 insane. inches. That's insane. I cannot believe. I mean, because I, I, that's what I, my setup right now, I'm just at 300 foot a second, 28 inch roll with an arrow that's over 400 grain. What, uh, what broadhead are you using this year? I'm shooting, uh, Chris Powers come out with one called a hemorrhage. A what? It's a fixed blade. It's called hemorrhage. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that yeah, one. You've seen, you seen him probably at the... G-O-N show. Yeah, he sent me a test head. I shot a few deer with it last year, and man, I had blood on impact hit the ground and great blood trail and fell within sight. Yeah. Complete, I like a complete pass through. I mean, I'm not going to knock expandables, mm-hmm. you know, because a lot of people have had great success with them, but I like something that going to punch a hole going in and yeah. a hole coming out and great penetration. And that he's making a head that does it does that, and there's a lot of them out here do that. But but I, you know, I'm I'm gonna be shooting his hemorrhage this year. One, it flies really good, and it's got. He did a penetration test with other broadheads, and I'm not gonna say to name the ones that didn't cut the mustard. <laughs> he did a video with multiple broadheads, and his out penetrated them. And I'm like, okay, is the penetration's better? And it, it leaves a heck of a blood trail. It's real durable, uh, shaped like a bullet on the uh, barrel. Mm-hmm. It's real. Yeah, you know, it's just a real durable broadhead. And you know, you got four blades with it. You got two bleeder blades, and then your two bigger blades. And man, it's, uh, you can't get any better cut than that. I'm I'm just not a big expandable guy. Where it goes in small and then opens up opens up after it gets in the animal so you got really just, if it comes out the other side you yeah. got just one you know good bleed that comes out but and you got some that open up right when they hit and knock a nice hole but I just think you lose a lot of the energy on penetration yeah sometimes but but you know there there again that's a, a lot of expandables out there a lot of people use them so they but you know there's a lot of good fixed head broad heads that are just really I, I think what happened was fixed heads was had his heyday mm-hmm. somebody created the new mouth traffic expandable spent some advertising and showed a lot of shots with and i watched deer run off with arrows hanging in them not the pass through on a lot of expandable tv shows where they shooting those expandables and and they would find their deer and some wouldn't but yeah and then i and then but i think the trend's going back to more toward the fixed blade i could be wrong that's just what i'm seeing i talk to a lot of hunters at these shows and a lot of them are trending back toward a fixed blade or some of them's already went back in that direction yeah not saying expandable is bad but it's not 
to me, I'm, I'm going to shoot a fixed bait blade. Yeah, I mean, I used to be only expandable. Like, that's all I would shoot. I mean, I've got a few of those new severs that I might use. Um, but the broadhead I'm using is the QAD Exodus. And so I... Great broadhead. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's amazing what that thing can do. But what what's crazy to me is the broadhead Chris came out with, the um, the hemorrhage, I shot it. He sent me a test head a few months ago, and I shot it going head-to-head with the QAD. And they're both. And it what's crazy about it is the design. Like, the QAD one, I can kind of see, you know, that Exodus head, it's designed to fly as close to a field point as you can get it. Mm-hmm. And you look at that hemorrhage head, and the blades stick the out. Thing. And that's what's so wild, is the blades stick out, like, really, I'm not going to say really wild, but they're out there. So I saw it, and I'm like, man, I don't know if this is going to fly the way they're saying. And it, it, flew, it flies perfectly. Yeah, it's unreal how it how it flew. So I don't know what kind of witch magic they're using or anything, but <laughs> it's it, it working. It flies good. It's that tip that's making it fly good, that feral. Yep. It looks, it, it's like a field tip. And it's just got no drag on those blades, and it's not going to play in the way those blades are designed. Yeah, I mean, it's it's crazy the technology that's coming out. Like, we got bows now that'll shoot, you know, well over 300 feet a second. We've got broadheads that have no possibility of failing, and fixed blades that fly like field points. It's unreal, man. It, it that's, really that, that's is. What, that's what's turning people back toward a fixed blade. Yeah. The way they fly now versus what they used to. Yeah, I mean, I you shot today. Worry about them wobbling and playing in back in the day. They don't do that anymore. Yeah, like I was shooting in my yard today, um, testing a field point, one of my severs, and the Exodus. And, I mean, I'm not knocking sever. It's a great broadhead. But let's just say my Exodus and field point were hitting where they were supposed to, and the sever That's went. That's what you want. Yeah, and the sever went low right. Why, I have no idea. But it wasn't me because I tested it over and over and over and over. Same thing. So I don't know. I don't know what the deal is, but the design on fixed blades is really, really starting to, I think, it's catch up. Around. Yeah, That's it great. really is. But look, man, I don't want to hold you for too long. No, um, this, good. Yeah, no, this I has really been. Enjoy talking with you. LT Bone, we said hello. That me and Andrew said hey when you talked to. Him. I will for sure, and I'll make sure that JD is on the next one because he he was very yeah. excited about this and he's. I know he's going to listen to this and be like, man, I wish I was on there. <laughs> oh, no but, problem. Well, hey, enjoyed it, and uh, we'll, we'll be letting the juice loose this year. Yes, sir, and I will give you a call tomorrow so we can start discussing uh, yep, all that stuff. That. Look forward to talking to you. Awesome. Thanks, man. Again, thanks. Yes, Bye. sir. Thank you for listening to this episode of Southeastern Bowhunter Podcast. If you don't mind, go on Apple, go on Spotify, wherever you listen to this and give us a five-star review. It really helps out. And, you know, I just want to give all the glory and all the thanks to God. Without him, I wouldn't be able to do any of this. We wouldn't be able to do anything without him. So just needed to throw that out there. Thank you again for listening. And don't forget to give us a review.